Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, Cinema Super Collider. We look at the 1983 Gladiator movie, Seven Magnificent Gladiators. Right. Not to be confused with the Seven Samurai or the Magnificent Seven. This is a canon film that basically ripped those off because Seven Whatevers is now a movie trope that you just use in everything. Yeah. Uh, is gl- is a Gladiator movie a genre of movie yeah i think so i mean i know it's there's that famous joke in airplane with leslie nielsen asking the kid if he likes watching gladiator movies i think that for a time in the 60s and 70s there were just a lot of i don't know that they were specific I'll call them sword and sandal movies that's i think that's a, a more accurate description there were a lot of hercules movies right because you had you had the steve reeves hercules movies Lou Ferrigno, who is the star of this movie, was in a number of Italian Hercules movies that, you know, were all shot basically in and around the same time. Hercules in New York. Well, that's that's later. That's in the 80s. And that's not really a Hercules movie. Neither is this, actually. No, well, it's not because Hercules does not exist in it, except the main character's name is Han. And he's essentially Hercules. He has a, he has a belt around his waist, waist with a big letter H on it. Right. And the thing to know about this particular movie is that Lou Ferrigno was in Italy basically making a bunch of sword and sandal movies, most of which were Hercules movies. He did, there's a, a Hercules movie straight up, and then there was a sequel to it, which Eric and I have spoken about, I think, on one of our B-Fest recaps. It had a lot of weird, like, laser animals and stuff in it. And there was a lot of stuff taking place up in uh, Olympus, too, wasn't there? Like, a whole lot of, like, strolling around in Olympus. I don't... Was that the Arnold Schwarzenegger one? No, that's one? the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. Oh. Um, but, yeah, they basically... There was a movie called The Mighty Sons of Hercules that sure. was a Hercules movie, but it wasn't Hercules. It was some other guy. Sure. And one of the people that is featured in The Seven Magnificent Gladiators, Dan Vadas was kind of the pre-Hercules to Lou Ferrigno's Hercules. He was the guy that you got 1970s Hercules guys that you would go to. And essentially, they're all basically bodybuilder-looking guys. You slap some oil on them, you put them in a short tunic, and then you have them you know, run around and punch each other. Everyone associated with this movie has a name that ends in a vowel. Does P- it? Ponder that, ponder that out. Well, they're all Italians, is what I'm saying. Oh, they're not, though. They're actually, many of them are not Italian. Sybil Danning is not Italian. No. Dan Vadas is Greek, actually. He's not no, Italian. It's the same thing. Uh, Lou Ferrigno, not Italian. No? I don't think so. Ferrigno? It's an Italian name. Well, it's an Italian name, but he's American. Sure. Yeah. Anyhow, 
So if you've never seen any of the magnificent seven samurais, gladiators type films, and you're not really sure how those films go, essentially what happens is there is a town or person in great peril. Usually it's a town whose men have uh, either been all killed off due to the war, in quotation marks, the war, or there's, you know, some kind of an issue where it's just a lot of old men and women that are left behind to, you know, defend themselves against some sort of bad thing. Maybe it's a bad guy, maybe it's an army of bad guys, some sort of bad thing is coming and they're either having to pay them off with like food or supplies or women or whatever. And then we have usually a gang of thugs. Usually it's usually a gang of thugs or some either sort of on like horses a, or on motorcycles or um, or like a warlord or, or something a warlord, like that. Something yeah. like that, yeah. So it is left up to members of the village to go out and find people that they can can count on to defend them from this bad thing. And it's always a scrappy group of heroes. Usually each one of them has some kind of a special thing that they do. You know, like they're a big giant guy who can punch real hard or they're, um, they're you know, a, a archer that can shoot, you know, blindfolded or, you know, whatever. It's seven guys who have special, like they're all especially like a guy who can hit for, hit for average and for power sort of like sure yeah 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 so so yeah so you get your scrappy band of seven people it's very important it's seven because it's always seven you get them together you bring them to the town usually there's a montage of them teaching the inhabitants of the town how to fight usually with sticks or you know, make fire bombs or, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole montage of training. And then the bad guy comes back and they successfully defend the village against the bad guy. There was even an episode of the Mandalorian that was kind of like this. Sort of. Yeah. Well, and I think uh, a bug's life, which is an animated movie is essentially the seven samurai. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I liked a bug's life. Right. Because it's the different kinds of bugs, right? You've got like the caterpillar and you've got oh, the, yeah, ant the German the... caterpillar. That's the one that's my favorite guy. Right. So, so it's a trope. This is a whole, like people once, uh, Kurosawa and, uh, oh, shit, who did the Magnificent Seven? Was it, oh, um, uh, Mario Ciccoloni. It, that's not who did it, but uh, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Tony Lasagna. What was, what was his name? Frankie Lasagna d- directed that one. No, I think that's probably more like a Sergio Leone or something oh, yeah, like that. Something yeah. like it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, once the two of them sort of established that this was how you could tell a story, literally everyone has stolen from this. Uh, TV shows, movies, everybody. So what happens in The Seven Magnificent Gladiators is exactly what I just said, except instead of there being samurai or cowboys it's gladiators yeah yeah pretty much right well it starts with (laughs) it starts with a chariot race so right out of the gate we're gonna have a chariot race right and the two charioteers that are racing against one another are han and scipio Right. And okay. Han there there pl- might have been some other people there that they were knocked out of the race early. I think when it starts, there's like at least one other chariot, but then they just didn't bother to film it. And the chariot race is going around a, a, 
a racetrack that's approximately as big as like the inside of your high school gym. Pretty much. Yeah. It can fit about two chariots. And rather than film this race from a static point where we could see the action that's going on, uh, the cameraman just decided to ride in a chariot, I think, uh, and did not have a steady cam. And it essentially looks at night at night. So you can't see anything. And it looks like the person holding the camera is legit having a seizure. Well, it's, I think that there was probably no real good action because you had these two guys. Uh, they must have been stunt doubles or something run, running these chariots in this smallish oval. And if you took one look at the the footage from that, it would just be kind of these guys kind of going slowly ish around this circle and you know yelling at one another and cracking their whips. Yes. And so to approximate action, we're just shaking the fuck out of that camera. Like yeah. a pinata. They were just beating the hell out of it. Well, one of the most famous scenes in movies at, at that time, still to this day, uh, is uh, the uh, chariot scene in uh, Ben-Hur. Right. I mean, chariot races, I think, are kind of a staple of the gladiator movie genre, right? Because like, you're either going to have gladiators fighting each other, which is fine, and we're going to see a lot of that in this movie. But chariots are like exciting because there's horses and like chariots and... They've got those like little spiky things that'll like stick out from the wheels so they can like kneecap people. Yeah. None of those things are in this movie though. Yeah. And Ben Hur was like famously widescreen and it was shot beautifully and cut beautifully. Well, isn't there a guy who like dies in it? Like legitimately, like one of the stuntmen actually died in it. Oh, that might be true. It it sounds familiar to me. It was either in Ben Hur or Spartacus. See, like these are all kind of interchangeable. I think Ben Hur was actually made twice at least. There was a a black and white Ben Hur that featured a spectacular chariot race. Mm. And then there was the famous color uh, with Charlton Heston, the, the color version where there was. A really spectacular. It was like one thing that they show in film school about framing and editing and how to put something together because they made it extremely exciting. Sure. Like it's like five minutes of the movie of nothing but chariot racing. I mean, if you're going to get a bunch of horses and chariots together, you may as well like you, you, you want to use as much of that footage as you can. That's exciting. Well, they were not they did not have the budget for this and they no. were not going to do a spectacular chariot race like that. So they not set, set a guy with epilepsy and a camera on, <laughs> yes. on one of the on one of the chariots and and uh, it just sort of like shakes around. Yes. And what happens is they're, they're in a tie at the end. Right. Well, it's a tie. And then, yeah, well, there's a tie, and then they have like a runoff, basically. And then Han, who's played by Lou Ferrigno, is declared the winner. And because he's declared the winner, the Emperor is going to have him m- murder the other guy. Scipio. Scipio. And instead, Han just steals a chariot and Scipio and fucks off. He's like, nope, not going to do it. Yeah. The, gotta go. The Emperor, uh, the, Ro- <laughs> the Roman Emperor. Uh, let's talk about the Roman Emperor. And his his fabulous dress and his... He has so many large fake gems. Oh, my God. I mean, he is covered in rubies. It looks like he got a bunch of like grandma's glass doorknobs mm-hmm. and glued them to his shirt. And his acting is about as big as the, uh, the, the doorknob jewels on his thing. Well, the guy that plays the emperor is, I think, a, a relatively well-known Italian character actor. Um his name is Yahudi Efrona. 
So maybe not. He's Yehuda, may not, Yehuda Efroni. He may actually not be Italian with that kind of a name, but but you've seen him in things. He's that guy. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a hey, it's that guy at a very young age in this film because he's not he's not fully in his like craggy, weird looking old oh man. God, he's got eye makeup head. and he's got a huge hat. Yes. And he's like foaming at the mouth and falling over backwards. And now we've looked. We have all seen a Roman like gladiator or you know like olden days roman movie what do we expect the emperor to be wearing right like we're thinking a toga right toga high would be like on the on the list of uh, family feud answers toga would be number one toga with maybe some like red or purple like accents because he's the (laughs) emperor and maybe like a like a laurel wreath kind of thing on his head maybe it's out of gold but you know that's the that's the kind of embellishment we're thinking. The Johnson family. These are the five top things worn by a Roman. Yes. Go ahead. Toga. Ding, 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 ding. Sandals. Ding, 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 ding. Laurel wreath. Ding, 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 ding. Um, some sort of like eagle or... Eh. I no? had to give you one buzzer in there. You get three. Okay. But I mean, like, that is kind of a, that is sort of a Roman thing. Yeah, but you haven't run the board yet. Uh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm okay. done. <laughs> Well, while we're playing, yeah, no, she would have just been like, no, no I'm we're... trying to think now of what the next Roman thing would be after. I think you think you did name them all. Yeah. I should give you the board. Yeah. It Four does... things. Well, they, they also have like, as part of their toga, they had, I can't remember what the actual, I should know because it's a costume piece. They've got sort of like the colored sort of oh, like. Oh, yeah, like a sash. Mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. like a sash. And then sometimes uh, leopard skin was also a very like. Uh, Romany kind of thing to wear if you especially I think if you were a soldier like of of note like a general or something yeah yeah anyway now that we've had Roman costuming 101 with Megan and Eric uh what is the emperor in this movie wearing as Eric mentioned a lot of fake glass bullshit and a lot of capes I think very many various capes, capes. everything is gold lame he is wearing opera gloves which, if you don't know what those are, those are like the fancy gloves that like girls wear to like prom that like go over the elbow. So he's got those on, and then prom gloves. Prom, yes, he's wearing prom gloves. He's wearing a hat that sort of looks like the Pope's hat, but it's not because it's covered in gems. It's more cylindrical. Yeah, it's kind of like if you just took like one of those oatmeal canisters that you have like the rolled oats in, and then you just you, you made a little craft project out of it. You took some gold paper and you. You pasted it around, mm-hmm. and then you took a bunch of sparkles, and you just threw them on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's fabulous in the way that... Uh, it looks awful. Yeah. It is gaudy and stupid. Yeah. The high school drama department threw it together at the last minute. Well, and here's the thing, is this movie was made in the course of making several movies involving Lou Ferrigno, most of which were Hercules movies, and there are a lot of shared things between the movies because look if you're gonna have a fabulous costume in one movie eh, just use it again in the next movie so i have a suspicion that this was a costume from a previous movie that they were just like well yeah he had the h belt it was from hercules well right yes exactly that's why they had to call him han because han starts with h hercules starts with h perfect we're good emperor's costume was like emperor's umpty scrunch from some other movie or he was like a court jester or some bullshit like that and they were just like well it's you know it's like the roman court sure put him in that uh yes 
he also falls down and faints a lot is the the other acting choice oh my. yes made yeah. by this this guy he's sort of, supposed to be sort of fay as well as like domineering well sure of course because you, you know, know you've got to you've got to have a foil to your lou ferrigno beefcake now did we mention lou ferrigno's most famous role we didn't did we what the incredible hulk he was the incredible hulk yeah. on the incredible hulk tv series from right. the was, u.s in the 1978 was, or nine or something like that it was in the early 80s because i remember watching 80s. i remember watching it as a kid but i was a little kid starring bill bixby yes as as Bruce, no, David Banner. David Banner, yes. not Bruce Banner. The TV shows, it breaks. It breaks from the Marvel Universe right there. Oh, yeah, it's discontinuous. They didn't have to worry about lore then. <laughs> yes, there's no no issue of lore. Though, to be fair, I don't think anybody gave a shit about lore back in 1980. Oh my goodness, it was like every week he would meet some sort of lady who was like... In distress. In, in distress, in trouble at her work, and they'd spend 45 minutes of the show with him and the lady and the lady's boss, and then the lady's boss would do something to make him mad. And then and he then would turn into Lou Ferrigno. He would turn into Lou Ferrigno in a shaggy bad wig. Yes. And, and he, green body paint. And green body paint. And he didn't even have purple pants. It was kind of disappointing. Mm. And then at the end, they would play the sad theme. Do, 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 do. On the piano. Do, 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 do. have to move on to the next town. Do, do. Yeah, and he... Because there was a reporter chasing him there, down. Yes, trying yes. Trying to find the, you know, the he, I mean, because, you know... A giant green man smashing things is not just going to fly under the radar. You know, you got to keep moving on. Watch a few old Hulk TV show episodes if you've got some time. They're kind of fun. I liked, I mean, I, as an adult, have not seen a Hulk TV show episode. Oh, Riff Tracks did one. Did they? Yeah. Uh, but the, it, I just remember them being kind of fun. You know, like you knew that he was going to turn into the Hulk at some point and he was going to smash a whole bunch of shit and then he was going to very sadly walk away down the street. Now, Lou Ferrigno suffered from uh, deafness, I think. Lou Ferrigno uh, suffered from hearing loss. I don't know that he was completely deaf, but he had an ear infection when he was a young child, and it, you know, fucked up his hearing. Well, it also fucked up his speech, so you don't well, hear him talking because his speech is is uh, uh, affected right, because, by, by the fact that he can't hear. Right, yeah. A lot of the people in this movie, because a lot of them, as Eric mentioned, are Italian, their English is dubbed over by other actors. Because, I mean, they're they're doing the lines, it's just that they have very heavily accented voices, and this... Oh, but all movies made in Italy, though, do it that way. Right. It's just their their way of doing it. They, right. Even if they... They, do, they don't even bother to record live sound yeah, a lot all of the, the time. They all just the spaghetti westerns every, that, like, Clint Eastwood did, like, they were all basically this, this style of movie making as well, because it was like, well, we've got Clint Eastwood, he's American... And literally everybody else in this film, except maybe like Lee Van Cleef, if we're looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly, everybody else is Italian. And half of them probably don't speak English. They're just doing it phonetically. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now what we haven't mentioned is the head of the bad guy ring and his mom. Right. So actually... Mommy! <laughs> no, we're not... This is not subspecies. We'll do subspecies someday, but we're not doing it today. Mommy, I want to chase Hercules. <laughs> So, right, the the movie actually really starts on the, the, the blind mother uh, meeting up with her, her son. Oh, yeah, she's like a, a an oracle or something, right? Something like that. It's confusing. They never actually state it, but she's an old lady, and she's wearing a ridiculously over-the-top black-and-gold ensemble. 
She's kind of like a flying nun-esque sort of headdress, but if it was like on steroids. It reminds me of the 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 chorus at the beginning of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. Those guys that had those giant tall hats on. Mm-hmm. Must die. This Jesus must die. That guy. Yes. Yes. Um, it is established early on. She is blind, so she can't see anything. So for most of the movie, she just kind of walks around with her hand out. As if to say, like, I don't want to run into anyone. Um, But, you know, she's mystical, so she can maybe see them. Who knows? She's blind, but she can see. But she's blind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her one fatal flaw is that she had a son who is an asshole. And he's the big bad. Uh, And he is wearing something that... When I first started watching this movie, I was like, well, okay, this is a pretty standard movie, whatever. He comes on screen and I was like, oh, no, Eric must see this. He's wearing a series of triangles. Are they leather or is it? They're like leather. They're like leatherette, I think. Leatherette, Mercedes leather. So basically, it's like he has a triangle on his lower half that goes from his crotch to about his hips. Think of the Word Up video from Cameo and what that guy was wearing. That sort of like huge codpiece slash. It's it's a lot of junk. It's a uh, focus. It's, it's somewhere between a jazz belt or a dance belt and a, right and, and like a, a athletic supporter. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's not. <laughs> Except the string goes up his butt. It doesn't grab around his legs like a yeah like a jock strap. Would. Yeah. So he's so we've got that triangle, and then it's connected to another triangle that's basically like a chest piece that ends at his shoulders. And it looks very like drag queen dominatrix. That's it. That's all this man is wearing. There's a, there's a few straps, maybe a few studded straps in there, too. I don't think there's any studs, but there no. might be a couple of straps. You're maybe right. there's some grommets or something. This is what he wears to do everything. Like, he wears this to ride a horse. He wears this to fight. He wears this to menace people. He wears it everywhere. He wears it to the gym. He, he wears, wears it, it to, to the, the grocery store. Yes. He yes. wears like. And it's it's perplexing because it does not strike fear in the heart of anybody, um, except maybe the person who has to launder the costume because there's got to be a whole lot of ball sweat and and such going on there. Yeah. But yes, he's our big bad, and uh, we discover that you know he's the son of this oracle, and she did something at some point in time to make him into a demigod. So he right. he you feel, can't hurt me. No one can hurt. No me, one can says. hurt me. Right. I'm invincible. He and says. rather than use this demigod power to like I don't know, like become a king or like take over some land or something, he just basically annoys one village of women, mostly women and old men. Yeah, all the all the fighting age men are dead or gone. Gone. Yeah. yeah. This is the the seven samurai. Thing. Right. This is the trope. This yeah. is the this is the conflict. Right. So, and and our hapless group of women and old men, uh, they're supposed and a couple to, of kids with a bow and arrow, and a, yeah, like two kids with a bow and arrow who are almost immediately killed by the big bad. Uh, they're supposed to give him food, I guess, for his his posse. Yeah, his motorcycle gang. His, his yeah, horse <laughs> horse cycle gang. Yes, his motorcycle horse gang. Yeah. Um. And there's like maybe a dozen of them. There's not that many of them. I don't know. It just, it seems like a waste of bad guy juju, you know? Yeah. Well, and then he has his second in command, his lieutenant. Right. Rooster hat. Right. I was going to ask you to talk about his hat. 
These that that guy should have been the guy in he charge. He should have been the big bad because he had the best hat. Because our big our main big bad no hat. Our our second in command our main goon prime goon guys. You know how I like a goon. The guy in charge is has to be the guy with the biggest hat. You got to give him Come the on, big man. hat because then your goon is upstaging you. You know and always that's, yeah you can't don't, have that. You do not want your goon to have a better hat than you. This man is, first of all, he's taller than the big bad villain. Secondly, he's mostly not wearing any clothes. A lot of the characters in this movie are kind of against clothes, mostly pants. Pants are almost like, that's a big no-no in this film. Like, if you're wearing pants, you're probably an old man, because otherwise we just need to see your ass cheeks just hanging out. Uh, But, so he's basically... There's lots of man ass in this movie. So much man butt in this movie. Um... So this man, the the goon, the minion, the big bad second in command, is wearing essentially what looks like a weather vane. You know, the kind that has a rooster on it. But it's sort of like if you took it and then you just smashed it down over your head with like some ear flaps. It's great. Yeah, no, I thought it was more like the aluminum foil swan that they would wrap your dinner up in. Kind of in between those two things. It's got like big wings on the sides and then like a long curving neck that kind of goes way up high. But how tall would you say that hat was in inches? 10 inches? 12 inches? Yeah, at least a foot. It was a foot. That's a a giant. It's a headdress, not just a hat. It's a headdress, not Mm -hmm. a hat. It's a cock headdress because I I'm very it's certain a that cockhead. it's a it's a cock dress. Um, uh, is it? Is it uh, maybe it's metal. Maybe it's supposed to be a helmet. Some I think, sort of no, like fashion I think, helmet. I think it's supposed to be a helmet, but like it doesn't really have helmet qualities in that I don't think you could take a blow to the head wearing this and it would be protecting anything. No, it'd knock your knock your block off right no. away. Some costume designer on set was like, "Let's see if we can get him to wear this," and then he did. <laughs> How many? pieces of of metal can we glue scrap onto metal or just laying around maybe he's like in a gift shop somewhere in italy there was oh like so, like some some artisan who does like welding or, or wrought iron like sculptures or something and they were in the shop and found this and they're like hey this has got to be we got to put this on this somebody's has got to be the head bad guys thing and they showed it to him and he's like no fucking way somebody lost you're a making dare. me wear this triangle costume where my balls are hanging out i am not gonna wear the dove on my head See, I would have gone the other way. I would have been like, what are my options? Triangles of Doom or Cock Hat? Mm, I'm going Cock Hat. Thank yeah, you. Definitely all the way you should have done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's them and and uh, the Oracle person uh, who is uh, the main bad dude's mother yes. uh, curses him. Yes. I curse you. As you do. And uh, he slaps her and says, I will be back. Right. And so, I hope you're in a better mood next time. Right. He does a little bit of light murder. On, oh yeah, yeah, on the visit, he murders he, some children. He you know, murders just some children, just stuff that you like do. Picks out one of the maidens, I think, and skewers her on a, on a. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, you're spare. a you're a bad guy. You're in a seven whatever's movie. You got to do a little bit of like murder and. Well, you got to show how bad he is, right? Exactly. Of not course. just that he wears bad. <laughs> not that he's wearing bad, the bad, triangles of doom. Yes, bad, no. bad clothing options. That he almost deserves death for that, but not quite. I don't think know. it was his fault. So I don't think we. I think it was the costume designer's fault. But you know, whatever. Well, I'm not blaming. In the actor as no. much as I'm blaming I just it. felt bad for the actor having to wear that on horseback because mm, you get a trot going on a horse and 
that's that's a lot of pain. Your your when your sack's gonna be slapping. Oof, that's all I'm saying. Well, and you got no pants, so your your ass is slapping too. Everything, everything is slapping. Oh my god, you're just like pummeled from the south. Yeah. Anyhow, we've got now Han and Scipio now have to round up the rest of the seven. They need five more people. You're forgetting a very important element of a seven movie, which is the villagers have to go find our heroes. So. The blind oracle is like, hey, Pandora, this is the really the only woman in the film that has a name that is used multiple times. Oh, that's Lou Ferrigno's wife. Who is played by, I think her name is Cindy Ferrigno. Uh, and Carla Ferrigno. Car- I'm sorry, you're right, Carla Ferrigno. Um, I've got the page open in front of me. I didn't remember I knew it that. was a C name. I just, I can remember. They had actually been married a couple of years by this point. And I will say this in the movie, because they're obviously love interests for one another, it's a very nice, natural kind of, like, relationship you see on screen. It's, it's you know, it's kind of nice to see two people who actually have some sort of semblance of a relationship have a relationship on screen. Anyhow. Yeah, this movie is not real sexual assault-based, you know, <laughs> which a lot of gladiator movies can, can sort of fall into that trap because it's really easy to make a villain out of... Like, yes sexual assault and they this this one doesn't really do that no they, they kind of took that off the table just some light murder and mayhem that's we're gonna just stick with that right really. right so uh so the oracle's like hey you gotta go to rome and i'm gonna give you this magic sword which oh yeah which belonged to achilles no achilles well yeah it, in she it, says it like a greek she she does. It's weird because like Achilles. everything Achilles. else is yeah. said as if because they refer to Jove, they refer to like all the gods with their Roman names, blah blah blah, and it's very clearly set in Rome. But like yes, this one word they keep saying very Greekly. Yeah. But yes, okay, magic sword. Take it into Rome. It's in the bottom of the Achilles statue, right? It's in it's, the bottom of Jove's statue. Right. It's like a, it's like a little mini fridge <laughs> under <laughs> Jove. She's like open the compartment and like. It's like she opens this mini fridge and there's this red light coming out. You yes. Know? And it's like, well, there's a sword in here and three Red Bulls. What do you want? <laughs> yes. So and, they, they and four of something or other. They go to Rome. They shop Sniffing. it around. They're trying to find like the person that's going to be, you know, worthy of wielding the sword. It's a very Thor and uh, Mjolnir sort of moment. Uh, they give it to the emperor at one point and it burns the fuck out of the emperor. And then why didn't he just let it go? Because he's the emperor and he's, you know, he's worthy. It ends up burning up the, it ends up burning up the bad guy in the end and he can't let it go. Maybe there's just no. the people who want power, but then people who want power cannot let go of that. I guess. I don't know. It burns so, him like crazy. Yeah. So anybody who is not worthy gets burned the fuck up. Uh, but Han is, of course, very worthy because he's number one, the protagonist, and number two, Lou Ferrigno. And so that's yeah. when he goes on his So, so quest. Four, four of the village babes are going around with this with with the sword. sword in a scabbard made of rabbit fur or something. Yes, yeah. yes. It's, it's and, not... And like <laughs> handing it to various... So so first of all, they meet this uh, this roguish man on the road, and he wants to try the sword, and he right. burns his hand with the sword. Right. He's D&D rogue archetype, basically. Yeah. Don't know? remember his name. He will become one of the he seven. He is one though. of the seven, yeah. but he's not worthy of the sword. Yeah, he just fucks off for now. Right. And then we, we give it to the emperor, who burns up. We give it to, I think that's it. I think yeah, after that, it's it just... Herc or, or uh, Han. <laughs> yeah, not no, Hercules. No. He's not in this movie. No, no it's Han. Uh, yeah, and then they go shopping he's for... He's not solo, though. No, he's, he's not. He's, he's Because he has uh, six other people with Han, him. He's Han, yes. He's Han of the seven. Yes. Well, he's, he. well, he's like 
and uh, whatever. He's he's not solo. Yeah. Right. Han, get it? Yeah. So then we go shopping for uh, for good guy goons because remember we're in a seven movie, so we've got to fill out our our slate of seven. Obviously, Scipio is one of those. And Scipio's like, I know a couple guys. And so then they go to the the tavern in very D and D like first yes. session. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yes, we are going. We need to find a, a hunter and a slayer and a, and a, an a cleric and, and, a, a, and yeah, they all meet together at the local bar. Right. And so they pick up three more people when they are at the bar, namely Scipio's girlfriend question mark or just like friend no i think i think she was the girlfriend of one of the two no 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 she's she's scipio's girlfriend because she's the one that was taking the bets on scipio in the gladiator race right she was taking the bets against scipio well she's just trying to make money oh okay oh yeah 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 oh yeah scipio that's right like you're my uh you're my buddy my meal ticket right yeah so and this is played by uh sybil danning and uh, she is, of course, scattered about in all kinds of poor movies. I believe one of them we talked about a million years ago, which was Hell Comes to Frogtown, where she is the... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Sybil Danning. I think that was Sybil Danning. In this film, she is the greedy, uh, like money-driven character who's like always trying to get people to bet on things and trying to make a profit and kill people for their money and all that kind of shit. Sybil Danning was like a semi-nude model from the 80s, the early 80s, maybe the late 70s. Right. And by semi-nude, I mean that she might have been in Playboy a couple of times or something. I don't remember her being in Playboy. But she was always in like some sort of like she was the one that would wear like bikini armor right and she does in this film like i said we have an aversion to pants in this movie so sybil danning basically she packed an overnight bag for like the weekend and you know all of her outfits were able to fit in the you know the the tiny purse that she brought along with her because they're just straps basically Her, her contract says that she has to display at least five inches of cleavage in every shot yeah, you know, it's this, like they she had, paid for those fake boobs. She's going to get them to work for her. They had leftovers from the Triangles of Doom costume, and then they just sort of stitched them together into strategically placed straps. Yes, but she is glued in and strapped into her outfit. Oh she yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing is going to slip. No, 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 nothing, nothing. There's, there's, there's really no nudity in this movie at all, is there? No, there's none. No, it's just uh, just women in bikinis fighting. Yeah, I mean, you could show this on the Sunday afternoon action movie. This would have been a cool movie to see when I was like about eight years old because we would have been playing this game. Oh, sure. Like with all of our friends, we would have been doing all of the stuff that these guys were doing in this movie because it's a movie that is aimed at the eight-year-old boy's mind. Well, it's an easy way. it's an easy thing to recreate with kids, right? It's like you have a bad guy, you have a good guy, and then you have like the people who need help. Right. Right, and all the boys gather the sisters together to be like the damsels in distress, sure. and, they, and they hang out on the porch and play Barbies, and then two well, of you guys are the defenders, and then two of the other guys are the are the other guys, and you have these wars out in front of the house. I mean, to be fair, I spent most of my childhood hitting my friends with sticks, so no well, Barbies. I mean, you know, you would have been the sister if you... Obje- I would have been Sybil Danning, basically. Most sisters were content to like not have the boys be bothering them, so they were happy to be on the porch without the... Uh, you know. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, in the bar, we pick up Sybil Danning, our, uh, our one female gladiator, and then we get a guy who's really good at shooting arrows and a guy who's really good at throwing knives. So, right. now we have five. And then we decide to head off to whatever town, wherever it is. 
So they're going and they go like, our horses need water. We need our, we need b- b- something like, and then they go like, one of the guys is like, hey, I know a guy. He has a farm off the road. Yep. Let's yeah. go. We'll, we'll sprinkle water on our horses over there. <laughs> water the horses. Right. And then we find basically the Friar Tuck of, uh, of our, our seven people, which is just a big giant dude in a loincloth that's splitting logs. Right, right. And, and they come to him and say, hey, stop splitting logs. Stop, stop playing with your kids because he's got a couple kids there he's playing with. Well, no, the, the way that they entice him into becoming one of the seven is they're like, children are being oppressed. And he's like, I love children. And they're like, we know. And he's like, well, I can't stand by if children are being oppressed. And that's how they hook yeah. him. Yeah, they ask him, join our thing. And he's like, no, nah. I like hanging here and, and splitting logs and playing with the kids. And they're like, women and children. And he goes like, well, if it's women and children, I have to go. Well, no, specifically it was children. He no, didn't give it. a shit about the women. He oh, just okay. gave a shit about the children. Okay, I didn't recall. <laughs> Look, you know, everybody's got a, they've got a soft spot. Yes. And he's, he's big and fat and, um. And uh, he hits things with clubs. Right. He's, he's the club, club dude. Yeah. And then the, uh, the rogue guy sort of hooks back up with them somehow. Right. Uh, a D&D rogue archetype, which is just like a guy who has a dagger and is kind of skeevy. So that adds up to seven. Seven. Now we've got our seven. We arrive at the town. The bad guys show up. They fight. The bad guy gets his ass kicked and then runs off. He runs away. Now, and then now the seven start teaching all the ladies in the town and the children and the old men, like how to defend themselves using extended montage. Yes. Like play sword fighting. Right. There's always you parry and then you thrust. Right. There's like stick fighting because, you know, everybody's got a stick, right? Yeah. You You don't have to spend a lot of money to find a stick. No, no, you don't have to like if you, you don't have, have to have go a, down to Banshee Pete's and buy the stick. No, no, no. Banshee Pete's in this town is just sticks. It's just sticks and cloaks. That's it, <laughs> Mister Sticks. You know, and so uh, so everybody in, cloaks are us. Yeah, everybody in town now has like a rudimentary understanding of which end of the stick can be used to poke someone. Yeah, they they get a certain amount of uh, fight training. Right, it, it, which probably was about one day, like one day of fight training. Yeah, I mean, it was a short montage. We don't know how long it is, but, you know, it's it's going to make a difference in the end. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then something happens where the bad guys get the village to, like, basically tell the seven to, like, go fuck off. Well, the, the, some, they, at some point, asleep. the bad guy kills his mother. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, that's the turning point. It's like they go and they kill the oracle, and then everybody's upset. And they're like, go fuck off. So they do. The seven of them like fuck off dejectively, and uh, uh, then I think it's the ro- the D and D rogue guy who's like, you know what? I I'm in love with one of those women. I'm gonna go back. And then right. the rest of them are like, you know what? We don't want to like skulk away with our tail between our legs because you know the the oracle died. Oh yeah, and you know what they do? They def- after they defeat them, they have just a giant wine party and they yeah. all pass out on the floor. And that's where they get the better of the oracle and kill her. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they, they get the and and the bad guys just attack. Right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all like passed out and a few of them get up and then repel them again, I think. Basically the last act of the movie is just like bad guys show up and lightly murder some people. And then the good guys wander off, and then they're like, no, we, we're not going to let light murder be a thing that we're okay with. And they go back, and they fight some more. 
Yeah, and the rogue does fall in love with one of the one of the women there. Right, and obviously Lou Ferrigno slash Han is very much in love with his wife. Although he's willing to leave her ass in the end. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but you know, it's it's a movie. She has curly blonde hair. That's how you can keep track of her. She's, I thought she was very nice. Pandora. Looking. Oh yeah, yeah. She, she was, was one nice. of the few people who had pants. And Did by she pants, have pants? Yeah. And by pants, I mean a full like toga, like lady toga thing. Oh, so okay. yeah, you didn't, she didn't. She didn't have her butt. Oh, okay, out. and there were also mud wrestling. That Where was, was that? That was for the emperor. We've already left that a long okay. time ago. It's just when I looked up this movie, like the third thing in Google came like seven gladiators wrestling scene. And I was like, I don't even remember a wrestling It's a pretty, scene. like, I, I give those two ladies credit because they were in it to win it. I mean, I don't even know. I remember it now. They had like kind of saggy bikini bottoms. It was sort of like. Well, I like mean, you know, baggy, saggy there. It's ancient Rome. They don't have lycra yet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, spandex is still a it's a oh, glimmer in the now. eye of of someone very far down the they road. They were still more advanced than ancient Roman underpants. I'm telling you. But man, those two ladies. I'm not an expert in ancient Roman underpants. Those two ladies, they were like, I don't even know that they gave them like money. I think they were just like, that bitch hates you. And then she's like, what? And the other one's like, that bitch hates you. And they're like, oh fuck. And they just were like. They were in it for hair pulling, you know, bragging rights, I think. Yeah. So they set them on one another and like had a bunch of cameras around and said, you guys fight until you can't do it anymore. Right. And then just offset, there was a PA with just a vat of olive oil that would just occasionally just ladle some onto them so they could slide around a bit more. Yeah. Ah, well. It's not that titillating, really. I mean, I thought, I, I don't know. I disagree. I thought it was a pretty good wrestling fight. Yeah, I I, I, I give him I give him high marks, um. But yeah, and then the movie just kind of ends. The movie ends by Lou Ferrigno. Uh, well, he, the bad guy steals the sword. They, he steals they fight. The, he steals the sword, but Lou Ferrigno I think has to like lift him off the ground in right. order for the sword to do. Oh any yeah, damage. yeah, yeah. He like nestles in like intimately, like right behind him, like right up, like. There's but, a lot, it's a lot of bear hugging. But to crotch bear hugging yeah. sort of thing, yeah. And, you know. And a lot of moaning, yeah. I don't think there was a lot of moaning. I oh. think you inserted that. But, but, <laughs> but yes, like, like. Yeah, it uh, might have been me. Like yeah. the infamous, uh, uh, what's the figure from mythology? Antares? Anter- yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, uh, uh, that it draws his energy from the ground. Right. Yeah. He, he had to be lifted off the ground in order to be killed, and he essentially is set on fire and burns to death in his Triangles of Doom outfit. Yeah, yeah. He's just like a skeleton there burning next to a burning sword. Yes. And he's got to like wait for the sword to cool before he can grab it. It's like, <laughs> well, you know, you don't want to like, burn your hand. Well, he on didn't it. burn his hand from like the holy fire holding that sword, but no. that was an actual fire. Yeah, so no. no even, that was, even Han would have burned his hand. That was that a bad one. guy fire. You don't yeah. want to touch that. Mm-mm. So the three of them, well, so four of them die, right? They, there's graves for all of them, including Sybil Danning. Sybil Danning dies. Yep. The two guys from the, uh, the tavern. tavern die, mm-hmm. and uh, and and uh, the big guy dies. Does he? I don't know. Yeah, really... he okay, does. Okay, he does. Because you can see they lay each of the weapons on their oh, cairn. Oh, that's right. That's right. The big, it's the biggest pile of stones, and they lay a club on it, and it's... It's really sad because there's only three left, which is... But it's okay because they're all in love with women from the village. 
Yes, Han and Scipio and uh, the roguish and dude. Roguish guy whose name doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the list of names here, and I couldn't tell you. It's, there's no, like, it does, but there's like 60 people in this movie. There are. Yeah. Because this was this was back in the day when you got a lot of people to be in your movie. Hey, man, in Italy in this time, you could probably like give a guy a sandwich and he'd show up on your movie. I mean, it's just like... it's like What New, else am I doing? It's like New Zealand with all of the fucking Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> I know. They took advantage of those people just like, early on. It was just like, terrible. Are you... Are you on this island? Do you do you want to be an orc? Do you want a job? Wanna, we got a job for you. Just just hang out. We'll put some prosthetics. You on get you. a job for eighteen months, and then you'll never you'll never work again <laughs> in this business. Not true. I no. I, that's what kind of at first happened. That's that's sort of the story of what happened with the Hobbit. If you go into it a little deeper, is that uh, uh, Peter Jackson was very felt very uh, guilty about uh, how things went with the whole actors group down there in uh, in. New Zealand. Mm. And one of the reasons he agreed to do this Hobbit, this big blown up Hobbit thing, was it was going to employ many, many thousands of people down there who had worked for him before and he wanted them to get work again. Eh, Well, there you go. And I guess Italy in the late 70s, early 80s, this this was how you did it. You just pretended to be a gladiator in a movie. Yeah, and uh, all these Italian names to this American dude, they all they, they, it's hard for me to tell them apart after a while. There's lots of Giuseppes and lots of... Uh, 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 it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, it's... it's it, I can't... I'm looking at the list of, uh, of people in this movie and the names of the characters as well as the names of the actors, they all look the same to me. Well, because it's a movie about Italy at one point. Well, I look. I'm not saying that I'm that cosmopolitan. I'm just saying to me, I can't tell you the difference, so I can't even tell you the name of the guy or the actor that played the roguish dude just by looking at a list of names. It's hard to remember. It's they didn't even use his name that much. I don't no, think. it's just not important. Well, they're all the three of them are riding off in the end, or the they're yeah they're riding off in the end, and and uh, or or uh, the rogue wants to stay behind, right, with his girlfriend. Yes, and then. Uh, Scipio and Han are riding off and the rogue's like, nah, I got to go join my buddies. And he goes, rides off with them and they're, and the guys are like, yeah, glad you came with us. You could, instead of living in life, like with a bunch of, uh, uh, women in a, in a nice city where you could do farming and have plenty of food and live a normal life. It's, you can live with us, a life of adventure where we have nowhere to live, where we have to find our food every single day and we're completely free and, Nothing means anything to us. And then the, the rogue is like, yeah, no, I'm going back. Mm-hmm. And he goes back. And then he became the one man in an entire village filled with women and old men. Right. And he was the scrawniest one of all of them. He was like a little, he was a little roguish dude. Yes. Low hit points. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, I discovered this movie because I have been, I have been slowly but surely making my way through the canon films. Um library of movies and it's like uh, the criterion collection it is but except for garbage for bad yeah. yeah it's mostly things shooting other things and or men punching other men but uh, most of them are are somewhat competently made and somewhat not competently made so it's just a, it's a question of like how much does it swing one way or the other canon films is an interesting story all in itself we might do a, a special canon films bunch of movies at some point there's a lot to choose from yeah yeah very very many but anyway uh yeah you could do worse than this version of the seven samurai trope it was fun Mm -hmm. and it's free on tubi 
Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Something familiar, something peculiar, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Nothing with kings, nothing with crowns. Bring on the lovers, liars, and clowns. Old situations, new complications. Nothing portentous or polite. Tragedy tomorrow, comedy tonight. Something convulsive, something repulsive, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Something aesthetic, something frenetic, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Nothing with gods, nothing with fate. Weighty affairs will just have to wait. Nothing that's formal, nothing that's normal, no recitations to recite. Open up the curtain! Comedy tonight! Something erratic, something dramatic, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Frenzy and frolic, strictly symbolic, something for everyone, a comedy tonight. Tunics, quarters in 
Bombs and eunuchs. Funerals and chases. Battles and bases. Hunderers. Philanderers. Cupidity. Timidity. Mistakes. Fakes. Rhymes, lines. Tumblers, grumblers, bumblers, fumblers. The royal curse. No Trojan horse. 